Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. From Barangaroo Studios, the AusBiz COV is the key stuff you need to know about the day in business and finance. Well, hello, hello. You are listening to the COB Podcast here from Ausbiz. It is November the 7th. I'm your host, David Scott, joined today by Carl Rodder in our Sydney studios. Carl, uh, look, a pretty positive end to what was a very, very positive session on Wall Street a couple of days ago. Yeah, sure was. Um, what do you put it down to more? The US jobs report or this China talk? If you, if you had to put a, a, a majority on it, what would it be? Uh, 95% plus on the China reopening because you look at some of the moves in the currency markets in particular, just gave the game away. Uh, there was yeah. just all being built in prior to that payroll report. And it was interesting watching the reaction to US investors to what they made of that payroll report in light of that because they didn't know exactly what to go and do. It was only a late flurry, a bit like we saw in the local market today. They got the mono to a 1.3, 1.4% gain, but they weren't even uh, too... Uh, too perturbed to, uh, to go and sit back and watch and see what happens. So it was just onwards and upwards uh, in the end. And we followed on with it today and just looking at some of the gains coming through in the material space in particular, just monster, a 3.7% gain across that sector alone. Just looking at some of the big boppers here. BHP up 4.6%, Rio 4.2%, Fortescue 4.1%. There was no movement in daily nine or futures today. So uh, a lot of it clearly is uh, reflecting that optimism that whilst it was pushed back against the, uh, the government authorities there over the weekend, that there'll be some major changes coming through to dynamic COVID zero. Where there's smoke, there's fire. Is there? I mean, I guess if it does uh, sort of quack like a dark ride, if we're going to continue with these sorts of uh, cliches. But I mean, I, I, I refuse to click on the story over the week on, on the basis that I'm like, this surely cannot be true. Um, and, you know, it's it's just sort of the market sort of falling over itself again to try and find a reason to rally. Um, but it, I would have thought that it would have been a lot more, uh, a more muted response in our resource sector, maybe even in a, a greater sell-off in the Aussie after we got some of this watering down from authorities over the weekend. But, I mean, I, to be honest, I can't really make sense of it. I, is it just narrative and sentiment? We're just you know, The market's just playing with that? Yeah, and incredibly short positioning and very, very bearish sentiment towards China in particular. People gushing about the gains coming through on the Hang Seng Index over the past couple of sessions. Folks, go and have a look at the longer-term chart and get yourself, I know, zoom out from your time frames. The lost decade. uh, It's down by down by 50% yeah. since I know in less than two years. Uh, that gives you a whole bunch of indicators right now. I'm with you. I wrote about it in the newsletter today that you know, be very careful with some of these reports coming out. They're certainly trying to go and change the narrative that prevails at the time being. They've succeeded in the other uh, near term, but uh, look, unless there's some major changes coming through uh, when it comes to the dynamic COVID zero policies, I think it's just going to be the latest in a long, long list of bear market rallies we've seen in that particular index and in Chinese equities as a whole. We need to go and see some concrete evidence before I get too excited about it. So, yeah, everyone's to their own, but uh, look, where sentiment was, where positioning was, I can ex- kind of see why we're seeing such a massive response today and over the last couple of weeks to those rumours that have been circulating. Yeah, well, there you go. Energy, resources, uh, good day, good start. Almost at 7,000 again, so we'll see if we can correct that over the course of the week. 
Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we're back there again. We're going to give it another crack. I'll tell you one area of the market that didn't do very well today was the uh, coal stocks, including Coronado Global Resources, formerly, of course, Coronado Coal. Uh, no, it's uh, motor talk to Peabody falling over, and uh, it was one of the other chief laggards on the market. And it was one of the rare losers in the material space. It was down 6.2%. And given there's a lot of conjecture about the longer-term trajectory for coal stocks, we thought, well, we'd go make today the stock of the day. So Nathan Sumasundram sat down with Garasodi, with Koshi, to go through the details as to whether Coronado is a buy at these levels. Take a listen. I say I have zero interest in Coronado. I've never liked the business. Why? Um, it's been it's it's a construct that's been hobbled together by private equity who put together um, right. disparate mines in the U.S., then bought a random mine in Australia. For so me, you'd you sell are, Coronado. I would sell Coronado. Right. I would buy Karun or um, BOE for okay. the uranium play. I think you okay. diversify. Yeah, there we have it. It's uh, yeah, it's a bit of a change up for the books as well. The coal, the coal stocks have really been on fire, excuse the pun, uh, mm-hmm. over the past couple of years. A few people are starting to get a little bit coy and cautious about the outlook, and uh, yeah, not surprised that going to see some minor caution. Everyone's uh, everyone's got their different opinions on it, but uh, certainly uh, not going to be considered for the portfolio on this occasion, thanks to that assessment. Uh, look, uh, always great conversations on the other uh, program each and every day. Uh, some of them today uh, really enjoyed having a chat with Shane Ponrush from Morningstar. Went through a bit of a deep dive on what's going on in the healthcare sector. It doesn't get a whole lot of exposure on the program and, and more generally, I suppose, as well when it comes to the local market outside of CSL. But we had a bit of a deep dive with him and, uh, yeah, really enjoyed the conversation. Worth your time if you've got uh, a spare seven minutes or so. Yeah, I mean, healthcare was really cool there for two years ago when, uh, what was it, 2018, 2019, when CSL kept making new highs and everyone wanted to jump into ResMed and everyone wanted to jump into mm. Cochlear as a result. But um, it's not the perhaps not the macro environment for, for healthcare right now, long term, but uh, rising rates tends not to be so good for those for those players. But I had a really good chat with uh, Malcolm Wood, actually, and he, he was someone uh, that came equipped with a fire extinguisher today as well to try and hose down some of the excitement that we did see in price action his argument you know one that we've heard before but he he put his own twist on it regarding the fact that you know we've seen multiple compression Uh, it's pretty um uh, i suppose naive overly optimistic i think overly optimistic was the term that he uh he agreed upon that uh, the fed's going to pivot um or step down or do anything of the sort with uh, inflation at, at the levels that it is and he sort of made the statement that the analyst community aren't is, is still priced for effectively a soft landing that we've got price to earnings multiples at more or less a long time long run average which isn't really consistent with a with a recession which you know is very well perhaps more pop, probable than not uh, going to occur in the united states in the next 12 months so that was another good chat from from a malcolm Ward or man Isaac Poole from Oriana Financial Services also had a chat with andrew i think in the other uh, 10 o'clock hour uh he's a little bit more optimistic a little mm. bit uh you know feeling good about the world and uh, including stocks. So you better go and find out why in the new sort of, uh, yeah, a nice contrarian take there. And uh, yeah, saying that the world is not going to go and fall over and end anytime soon. And uh, there is light at the end of the tunnel. Although I think a few investors who have tried to go and buy the dip on these various bounces have uh, not been enjoying them, at least up until now. But uh, Isaac thinks that maybe better days ahead. Uh, look, looking ahead, it's uh, interesting when you mentioned that payroll support really had something for everyone on Friday evening. I don't think it really answered any questions because on one hand, the establishment survey, so you know, the payroll support, rock solid, pretty decent, I know, the tip of hiring, 
Uh, then the established, the, sorry, the household survey. Big loss, all full-time jobs, only part-time jobs actually going and trying to do a partial offset. But then you had participation rate falling. You also had, on the flip side, average hourly earnings going up more than expected as well. So there's literally something for everyone in that report. And I don't think we're none the wiser, really, as to what it means when it comes to Fed policy moving forward. I guess it comes down to that key inflation report we're waiting for later this week. Well, it'll have to be, right? And I think um, I'm just trying to double-check the expectation because someone said uh, who I was interviewing today, I think it might have even been Malcolm, uh, perhaps, that um, we're considering a number that's more or less in line with where we've been anyway. So, so well, you know, it depends on how the data comes out quite naturally, but forecasters are, are of the expectation that we'll actually not see, we'll see another month where inflation hasn't really moved meaningfully lower. Yeah, absolutely. Just looking at the... Uh, the expectations here for uh us dollar ois at one year 4.9 percent that's where the other uh, the fed funds rate is expected to be in a year's time so yeah still flirting with those kind of levels that uh you know we're looking at that you know, people think are going to cause a few issues but of course we've been saying that the whole way up maybe it won't be uh, maybe it won't get there at all but that's what's uh, being priced into the market at this point in time then you overlay those concerns and then uncertainty about what's going on in China as well because we don't know exactly what the reopening will mean. Will it mean more inflationary pressures as demand gets you know, juiced up there in the Chinese economy or will it be you know, disinflationary when you talk about supply uh, chains, of yeah. supply chains? Yeah, it's, uh, there's a lot for investors to go and mull over at the moment. Some are uh, pulling the trigger, some are sitting back. Uh, we've seen a lot of these kind of events before. Over time, locally tomorrow, it's going to be all about those consumer sentiment surveys. We've got the ANZ, Westpac and also NAB business survey. So, a soft data day coming up. Uh, hopefully, that might give us a bit of direction. The one thing that's been really noticeable of late, Kyle, you've uh, covered this off numerous times as well, is that divergence between what businesses are saying and thinking and what consumers are saying. Yeah, we'll have to see if that continues. I mean, I guess the, the, the best argument anyone's given me for that is just that business haven't uh, caught up with consumers yet and consumers are still sort of running on, a, on the smell of an oily rag. Um, I also find it really interesting too whether, you know, there's... Uh, we sort of don't get the context right with that conversation around the, the, the confidence survey that, you know, people still look at it as an indicator of employment insecurity when really it's about cost of living and you always get bigger drops in that reading um, when, you know, the cost of living is, is high. Anyway, I digress. Um, we'll get a decent sense on, on whether the RBA's attempts to sort of beat everyone over the head with interest rate hikes is, is working or not, I suppose, and whether it's starting to flow through to the business community. So I'm sure con consumers aren't going to feel yeah. any better. Yeah, it's interesting as well. Peter King, of course, the uh, Westpac chief executive, following the other uh, banks for your results today. It was one of the uh, worst performers, by the way, and the market down 3.7% or so. He was talking about uh, that laggard effect where it comes to you know, the variable rate increase has not been fully impacted in the household sector yet, including Westpac borrowers at this stage. So he said that you know, the last couple of rate increases that have come through haven't really gone and touched the sides yet, so not yet to be incorporated into cash flows and uh, what's required from mortgage repayments. So you can see why so many people are talking about not only that fixed rate cliff that will be arriving at uh, the first half of next year, but also whether that consumer spending resilience that we've seen over the last uh, couple of years, particularly in the, the good side of the equation, can be sustained when we're seeing that, you know, that hit to disposable income coming through. Yeah, we'll have to see. And uh, US midterms is, uh, as well. That should be exciting, won't it? Yeah, exactly right. Well, speaking with Weston today from Pepperstone on Global View, and he said that the only way that he can see a really massive, meaningful reaction in markets is that we don't go and see that red wave come through. Uh, either the, uh, the Democrats manage to hold the House and uh, also the Senate. 
then it would be off to the races uh, in Westie's view. But uh, that's not what the polls are saying at the moment. But we all know, Kyle, of course, that uh, sometimes when it comes to US politics, you've got to be very cautious how to go and read things, including in an era where we've got so many pre-polls that are coming in. Yeah, expect the unexpected. I'm actually looking forward to that one. I, we'll probably get the results out time, I, I would have thought too, right? Which is a good yeah. Good, good well, that's point. how it generally works. So it'll be on Wednesday, it'll be on Wednesday our time. So, yeah. uh, but we'll get all the uh, the lead up to it. I know all the excitement of polling day and everything else. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I'm sure there'll be quite a few headlines, a lot of noise. Whether it's anything of substance, uh, it generally doesn't come across too quickly. I remember, of course, during the uh, the last presidential campaign that came through, and it looked like uh, Donald Trump had gone and secured a second <laughs> term in the White House, and then only to go and see overnight. Uh, a big swing when all those postal votes were, uh, were, were uh, counted. And uh, so that changed the narrative and what the market's reaction was in an instant. So we'll see whether this time is any different, but uh, be careful to go and interpret the early results. That's, uh, that's all I'll say there. Yeah. Look, uh, we've just gone through a whole bunch at the moment, mate. So what do you reckon? Let's go and wrap it up. It's going to be a pretty busy week and uh, we'll see what the, uh, the rest of it holds. Sounds fantastic. See you, mate.